Welcome to Automatic Merchandisers, Vending and OCS Nation, the podcast for the convenience services industry. I'm your host, Bob Tulio. On this edition of the podcast, we will go outside the industry to speak with William Ackerman. You can call him Bill, who's one of the country's most prominent expert witnesses, specializing in civil litigation, typically dealing with calculation of damages. Put it this way, if you are in a civil trial and he is testifying against you, chances are you are in trouble. As it turns out, Bill deals with many of the same challenges that those of us in sales encounter daily. I hope you agree that his strategies and solutions are both entertaining and enlightening. I'm sure you do not just wake up one day and decide you're going to be an expert witness. How does that happen? Tell us about the journey. It it was unique. Uh, Actually, I ended up in my entire career because I said yes to a blind date. Uh, She started describing what she did. did. And at the time, they called it litigation consulting. This is back in the uh, early 90s. I said, that sounds fascinating. I had spent five years auditing, and I found that what she described sounded a hell of a lot more interesting. So I said, are you guys hiring? And I had had it with auditing. And I went over, interviewed, got a job. And now, 30 years later, I'm the president of Freeman & Mills. So it was a blind date that worked out pretty well. It worked out very well. It gave me my entire career, and I absolutely love what I do. So it was huge. That's great. So as an expert witness, you're a financial specialist. Obviously, that's a very general term. What does that actually entail? Damages. And so I'm a damages expert. And I'm the guy who comes in and tells you how much, at least in my opinion, parties are fighting over. Of course, there's always another expert with many credentials on the other side who will say exactly the opposite of whatever I say. So it's always a pitched battle and it's very competitive. So you're probably wondering, why would you be talking to a bunch of vending, coffee service, micro-market, pantry service operators about the expert witness business. Is that is that a reasonable assumption? It, it, it sounds like a disconnect, but the more I think about it, it's absolutely a connect because what I do for a living is I sell my opinion. I have to go into a courtroom and I have to sell or convince 12 strangers or a judge or somebody else as to why they should buy what I'm selling. And it's my opinion. And so, uh, yes, I'm very much a salesman, even though I'm an accountant. So I guess we're on the same page because I felt like the defining characteristics of a great expert witness might very well be very similar to the defining characteristics of a person who gives a great sales presentation. So I'm going to ask you this. What would you say are the defining characteristics of a great expert witness? One very important aspect is preparation. You have to know your product. You ha- I have to know how I got to the opinion that I'm rendering. I have to know all the nuances. I have to speak intelligently about it. I can't hem and haw on the stand. So know your product and, and be prepared to be able to sell whatever it is you're going to sell. Another huge aspect is credibility. That is, And that comes through presentation, your background and experience, Are you composed? Are you articulate? You're trying to communicate to a group of people that generally in this, in my situation, have a seventh grade education when it comes to financial concepts. So I'm taking extremely complicated financial, economic, and accounting concepts and trying to translate it to a seventh grader. It's not an easy job, but you do it long enough and you do it well, it it starts to just kind of work itself out. And, And so it's very enjoyable. My best mock jurors were my son and my ex-wife. 
because they didn't have financial or, or accounting or economics background. So I would present concepts and wait to hear their observations and perceptions. And it many, many times it made me modify how I was going to testify at trial. What else? What else would you would you define as being very important for a great expert witness? Uh, I think you have to know your audience. And in my situation, it's a very limited audience. It's either a judge or it's 12 strangers sitting in a jury box. But even then, I'd like to know. I'm never, I'm rarely, if ever, the first witness in any kind of trial. So I usually come in somewhere midstream at the end of a plaintiff case, or I come in at the very end of a defense case. So I could be the last witness in many trials. Well, by then, you kind of know your jury. The attorneys know their jury. They, they know who's got a financial background. They know who doesn't. Catering your presentation, I'll look at 12 strange faces. They've never seen me. I've never seen them. But what we'll work on is find me the three or four jurors that understand accounting or finance or because of their job. You know what they do for a living. And those are the people that I speak to. Those are the ones I try to make eye contact with. They're the ones who I then hope, if I do my job effectively, will take what I've sold to them and then go back into the jury room and sell it to the other jurors who don't necessarily understand all the financial aspects that I talk about. And I would assume, just like a salesman, you know the objections are coming. You have a good idea of what those objections are going to be in terms of the opposing arguments. So does that mean you've got to do a lot of planning and being ready to respond to objections? Absolutely. The hardest part of my job, well, there's two, two phases to testimony. There's the direct testimony. Well, there I'm working with attorneys, and that's all planned and, and practiced, and we want to make that presentation as effective as possible. And you can completely control that. What you can't control is cross-examination. I have no idea what an opposing attorney is going to ask me about. Yes, do I, I, I know because of the facts of a case, what I would anticipate they might ask me about. And so I try to prepare to make sure that I have candid responses, effective responses for things that might be pitfalls for me. It'd be no different if, you had, if your product has a potential weakness. Well, sometimes my opinions have a potential weakness. And you need to be able to address that weakness because people aren't stupid. They're going to find the weakness and they're going to highlight it. And you need to be able to address it in a short, in short, concise and constructive manner so that it minimizes what others were perceiving as a weakness. And if you can do it effectively, you maybe even turn it into a strength. So with those defining characteristics as a backdrop, can you give me an example of how you applied some of those in, in actual cases? And, and the one I want to start with, of course, is one of your most high-profile cases almost 10 years ago, the Michael Jackson AEG case where Jackson's mother and his three children filed a lawsuit against the concert promoter for negligence when the singer was preparing for the AEG-sponsored This Is It tour in Europe. The verdict was, of course, that AEG was not responsible for Michael Jackson's death. Tell me about the highlights of your testimony and how you applied those important defining characteristics in that trial. That was a fun trial, very high profile, television cameras, the whole show. And so it was important in my mind to really hit a very strong chord with the jury. So one of the things that I did is I asked the attorneys that I was working with, what are the specific instructions, jury instructions, that this jury is going to be given regarding damages? So we couched our entire presentation to use key words that were synonymous or in line with those jury instructions. All of my demonstratives used those words. 
So every, they kept on seeing that over and over and over through the two days that I was on the stand testifying. The other aspect of that case that I thought was really important is while a plaintiff, I was on the defense side, the plaintiff's expert had done a bunch of work, not nearly the amount of work that we had done. And uh, they were proffering up a $2 billion damages number. I was counter to that, my th- if, as I best recall, my opinion was about a $28 million number. But I wanted to make that, I wanted to make sure that jury knew who's more credible. So we had spent a good part of a year and almost a million dollars in billings to do the work that I was asked to do in that case. And I, I insisted that I walk in with all of our work product binders, which filled up an entire bookcase that was sitting behind me. So I had 20 binders of work product. I will tell you, some of those binders were just full of depositions. There wasn't any work in it. It was just something, but I want them to see, my God, look at the amount of work and preparation that this guy has undertaken, such that it would give that much more weight to the opinions that I was giving, because the opposing expert walked up to the stand with nothing in his hands. And I made a point through my testimony for the two days I was on the stand to constantly refer back to those binders. The answers are in the binders. And so it was very effective again. He has analysis. He has, he had the, look at the backbone of what this guy is saying. And it's all sitting in those books behind him. And he, I think what was most impressive, at least from the jurors, uh, the uh, attorneys I worked with, is that I knew where everything was. There were thousands and thousands of pages of work, but I knew exactly where to look, and I was able to precisely answer every question off of a document. It was very powerful. And you think that might be the the one thing that you really want to pull out of that trial as far as defining characteristics that that would teach a lesson to, to the audience, or was there something about reading the audience as well? There wasn't so much about reading the audience. It was just making an impression to the audience. And that was who did the work. You know, if you, you, they hear about how much you bill and it's, we're not in expensive product. And so in that sense, I wanted them to see, wow, they got their million dollars worth. Look at all of the work these people have done. I think it was very effective. The, uh, the, the attorneys and some of the neutral audience and other people that I spoke to said there was uh, the contrast in experts was stark in that, wow, somebody clearly did a ton of work and somebody came up with a really big number that didn't do so much work. Yeah, it's called earning the business. You show them, like you said, who did the work who's prepared, who delivered, and obviously you delivered. I think that's a fair statement. So of these defining characteristics that we talked about, which would you say is the most important? It's got to be preparation. For what I do, it's preparation. You have to know, I have to know and be able to express what it is I'm trying to uh, highlight and emphasize in terms of my opinion and my observations and my analysis. While, while the presentation is important and trying to hit a chord is also important and making sure that people understand what you're talking about is important. But I, I, little, I really still am the friend, man, this is 30 years and hundreds of times testifying. It, I need and want them to know I, I'm, I'm very well, I've done my homework. I know this product. I know this industry. I know whatever it is that's going to be super germane to my audience in trying to figure out which one of these two experts is more credible. You have to be able to go in there and, and, and present such that I know all the weeds. I know the details, or at least I know where to look to find the details. And that's a very impressive, compelling 
presentation. So it kind of goes back to the old adage that I like to bring up about public speaking. If you know your material, all you have to do is work on your delivery at that point. Absolutely. It's, it's easy. I, I, then you're having fun. Then you can go with nuances. I, I, it's always important, like injecting humor. I like to try to put humor into a presentation. People appreciate that. Any particular lesson you've learned over your years from experience? Every jury's different. Every judge is different. That's what's kind of fun is your my audience is constantly changing. And so you really have to be adept about who am I presenting to? Is this a sophisticated judge? You'd be shocked at how many judges are not sophisticated with financial concepts. So to walk in and assume, oh, well, this is a judge. He's got a law, he or she's got a law degree. And so they must understand this stuff. No, they don't. They don't understand it at all. They understand the law, but they don't understand finance and economics and accounting. So you have to do your background and you have to know who it is that you're presenting to. And you know whether I can be sophisticated about my presentation or do I need to dummy it down because this is an unsophisticated audience and I need to just talk about simple concepts and themes. I gotta ask you one other question. You know, there's generational differences out there. When you look at a jury now, as are, you know, all the people in my industry, they're dealing now with Gen Zs, they're dealing with young millennials, and they have a whole different mindset, a whole different view. Do you have the same issue that you're dealing with? I think we are, only in the sense that I'm, I'm almost 60, but it also, that goes back to knowing your jury. If I know the juror 12, who's 65 and has a finance background, that's the person that I know I can hit a chord with. If I've got a 20-year-old marketing person, that we're probably not speaking the same language. I'm, I, I hope to think that some of what I present will be garnered by that person. But the reality is, is I'm talking to that 65-year-old finance person because that's who I need to go sell what I'm selling back in the jury room. Love it, Bill. Great interview. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. What did we learn from Bill Ackerman? Not only did he take us inside the world of a high-profile expert witness, he provided some valuable lessons for anyone in sales. The importance of preparation, knowing your product, knowing your material, doing your research, understanding your audience, being prepared to overcome objections, and knowing what the customer needs to hear to ultimately decide that your product, your service, and your solution is the right choice. Be sure to check out my Best of OCS column in the OCS Operator Newsletter from Vending Market Watch on July 19th, where I'll take a deeper dive into lessons from an expert witness and how they apply to selling convenient services. That's it for now. On the next edition of Automatic Merchandisers Vending and OCS Nation, we'll talk about challenges and solutions relating to micro-market theft and security. Be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Bob Tulio.